You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Herb Hamm. On this opening segment of the program, a father of two young children talks about the sudden and unexpected loss of his late wife to cancer a few years ago. It is a compelling real-life story that inspires and reminds us that the true purpose of estate planning is about taking care of family. Here is Thomas Heath in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. To cut right to the chase, I guess we were, my uh, late wife and I were in, uh, I was in my late 30s, early 40s, and my wife was in her mid-30s. And uh, I've had a successful career. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom. We have had children age four and five at the time. And uh, I had about a million dollars worth of life insurance on myself. And she said she wanted to have at least a half a million on herself. And I thought, you know, why? Why, why would you need that? Uh, I don't really see an insurable need, to use the, the industry buzzword, and uh, the insurance agent came by to up my policy, which I thought was great. And that was necessary to replace my income, but I still didn't understand what she was doing. But she gave a blood sample to the nurse just to see if she could, if she was insurable, and she was. And she, uh, I guess, sort of cloak and dagger like, uh, took out a half a million dollar policy on herself um, without much of my foreknowledge. When the policy was delivered, it was like, why? Why did you do that? It, we don't need that. Well, what if? What if I do die? You're going to need a nanny or two. You're going to need uh, the college fund topped up. There's going to be a lot of needs. And I said, no, no, we're fine. And she said, no, trust me. You're, you're going to need a nanny. You're going to want to have a life. Otherwise, you'll be tied down. And I said, okay, we'll go along with that. It was very, it was very inexpensive. Um, and then that was about in November of 2010. And uh, in December of 2010, we went in to renew our mortgage um, at one of the major banks and the, um, mortgage, uh, officer asked us, you know, same old questions. Do you want to insure your line of credit? Do you want to insure your mortgage? And right away the flags come up. It's not the best type of insurance for that sort of thing. And I said, no way under no circumstances are we buying your insurance. We have plenty of insurance. Again, the half a million on her and a million on myself. We don't need any more insurance and it's, and it's a ripoff. Um, Again, um, we walked out, renewed the mortgage, everything was, was as it was, and I thought I had my way again. And um, so that was November of 2010. Um, we were going cross-country skiing, a midnight cross-country ski between Banff and Canmore, and we were just warming up, and she said she felt something odd under her arm and uh, looked something like a boil, which was very odd. She's a very healthy woman, and uh, we immediately went to the doctor. They did a biopsy. And uh, the doctor was, was, he said, nah, it's sub-stage one. This is nothing. This is, this is fine. But we're going to send it in and get it analyzed. Um, to fast forward a little bit, it turned out to be stage four. Um, it didn't present as a lump. And I'm certainly not a doctor, so I can't speak much to it. But it was an extremely rare form of breast cancer that had metastasized to her bones and her liver. Um, it spread like wildfire. So, and the diagnosis right from the get-go was not good. And the diagnosis happened um, four months after all of this insurance rigmarole. Uh, her and I battling it out for supremacy on who's going to 
who needs more insurance? And I think it was just an ego thing on my part. No, you're, you don't need insurance. And when I kick it, you'll be fine. But it was literally four months later. And 14 months after that, um, June 23rd, 2012, uh, she passed away. And uh, immediately I got a call from the bank um, where we had our mortgage. And I thought, either they're going to pull the mortgage or they're going to do something. And I, I went in and they had all the documents prepared. And uh, I said, what, what's this all about? Oh, these are your mortgage discharge papers, Mr. Heath. I said, well, what are you talking about? Remember that box that you told your wife not to check? Uh-huh. She checked it. And what? It, and I was just gobsmacked. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, no, you've been paying mortgage, this rip-off mortgage insurance for, uh, you know, for about 10 months now. Or I guess that would have been 16 months. And unbeknownst to me. And then she made me sign another document, which was the discharge of the line of credit. And again, she checked the box I told her not to check. And in hindsight, um, she made all the right moves and I made all the wrong moves. But ultimately, it was a lot of money and it enabled us to um, leave our home in um, Valley Ridge. It was, it was a beautiful home, but we moved to another one to start all over again. If she hadn't done this, um, I think, you know, it's hard for the mind to go to the worst case scenario, but certainly we would have we would have stayed in the same situation and everything would be reminding the kids of their lost mother uh, which is traumatic. I thought if we could get them into a new space, um, new faces, um, they can start over again. And I think that was very beneficial for them. So it allowed us to do that. Uh, again, it honored my wife, Tanya's wishes that the college fund was topped up. So even if I kick it today, they're taking care of um, multiple layers of, of coverage. But I think the underlying story here is that we don't face mortality when we're in our 30s. We simply don't. And those who do could be called cynical or pessimistic um, after going through all this. It's realistic. Uh, you just, you can't get insurance after the fact. And um, her wisdom um, after her passing has absolutely fundamentally changed the children's lives and mine. So what can we learn from this? For somebody listening to this program this morning, what lessons can we learn from your real life example? It seems that uh, especially males tend to have uh, the impression until they're in their 50s or 60s, I suppose, that they are invincible, that that death happens to someone else. And I suppose as we get into our 40s, um, the realization comes that, wow, I didn't make a plan, so I must be planning to fail. And uh, that's the bottom line is you have to look at these issues um, for what they are, not on a, on an actuarial table and not on a on a numbers basis, but what impact will this have on the family if we don't plan? If we do plan, uh, the sky's really the limit in terms of what you can do if tragedy strikes. But if you compound tragedy, the death of a mother with two really young kids, um, and then put that scenario into financial destitution, you've compounded, um, I think, you know, it, would, it turns a tragedy into a catastrophe. And because my wife was so, um, she had the perspicacity to just say, no, I'm doing it. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to do it, which is a familiar, familiar refrain. Um, she was right. And I have no problem admitting that I was fundamentally wrong. All and, what, and what she has done is turn a, uh, a tragedy into a triumph. Uh, yes, I, I, it's quite possible that because of the situation that she allowed the family to evolve into, 
uh, whereby babysitters and, you know, we never needed a nanny, for uh, which was handy. So I got to raise the children. I didn't need to. And the kids are only 10 and 11, and that's an ongoing thing, obviously. But I didn't need to farm it out uh, because of a lack of income. Oh, and I should also add, everything was jointly owned. Uh, checking accounts, savings accounts, everything. And I would highly encourage people to do that. Have it all jointly owned. If um, if she didn't have a will, or rather if if we had everything in separate names and she passed away intestate, or rather without a will, it would have complicated things immeasurably. And you don't want complications when you lose a spouse. It's complicated enough. You can just keep piling on. And you're dealing with the emotional impact of a loss. The last thing you want to be dealing with is a bunch of of issues concerning what what happens now um, and issues that uh, could have been addressed earlier uh, in such a way that they wouldn't intrude on the grieving process. Right. Uh, That's exactly right, Peter. And when we return after this short break, Melanie Heath joins the conversation to help explain how timely estate planning helps you prepare for the important what-if questions of life. This is The Strong Room. 